Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show live from Dubai, our new home, our new set. We're very excited to be broadcasting and building a comedy scene in the United Arab Emirates. This is our new studio. It's here, and we are here queering the space of podcasting uh, every day. And it's suicidal to be a podcaster now because it is the golden age of TV. I don't know if you've seen that article. There are 599 scripted shows, more than at any point uh, in our nation's history. There are 599 uh, scripted shows. It's on Drudge. Uh, it is the golden age of TV. There are more streaming services, more shows that no one watches. So it's crazy for us. Uh, scripted series volume hits all-time high in 2021. The annual estimate of shows from FX jumps 13% after a one-year dip in 2020. But the shows are back. TV is back. No one knows what that means. No one knows how to watch any of these shows. But uh, there are a lot of television shows like Bull. Have you seen Bull? Look up Bull. Bull. It's a drama. Bull. Why is Bull being canceled? In May 2020, Bull was renewed for fifth season with the further announcement in October 2020 that the season would be trimmed to 16 episodes. Well, that's not enough Bull. What is Bull about? Dr. Jason Bull is the charming and cocky founder of a successful trial consulting firm, Trial Analysis Corporation, where he and his team of experts employ psychology, human intuition, and high-tech data to understand jurors, lawyers, witnesses, and defendants, and construct effective narratives to help their clients win. Bull's team includes his brother-in-law, Benny, Neurolinguistics expert Marissa, former detective Danny, hacker Cable, and Chunk, who helps perfect clients' appearances for trial. Bull is inspired by the early career of Dr. Phil McGraw, who also serves as an executive producer. Bull is the story of Dr. Phil. 113 episodes. 113 episodes of Dr. Phil's origin story. So thank you for spending time with us here uh, instead of Bull. We're here in Los Angeles, California, where people are being murdered in furniture stores. This is a tragic situation. A young woman was at her job at a furniture store and ended up getting stabbed to death. And this is insane. They're asking for help. The LAPD is asking for help solving furniture store employee killing on La Brea in Hancock Park. It's like a nice area mm. of LA. This is a high-end furniture store. This is the problem with a lot of what's going on right now. The supply chain is wreaking havoc. And if you tell somebody they're going to get a sectional in six months and they don't have it, they're getting emotional. And they're going in and they're taking it out on the store employees. And this is not right. And this is a tragic situation. The state is descending into hell very quickly. And there's nothing funny about this. Um, the suspect attacked a victim with a knife and fled the scene through the back door. 
The suspect was seen on security video casually walking down the back alley of the business. He's described as a black male, unknown age, tall, thin, wearing a dark hoodie, sunglasses, a white N95 mask, responsible, dark skinny jeans, dark shoes, carrying a dark backpack. Well, based on evidence discovered by detectives, the suspect is believed to be homeless. Now, this is weird because I, I'm under the impression that all people without homes are inherently good. That's the impression that I've been under is that all people that are living in a tent or don't have a house or are spending most of their time out on the street are good people. It's odd that one of them uh, stabbed a woman to death in a furniture store, but apparently not all of these homeless people are thrilled with being homeless. It's not all fun and games. You know, Echo Park, which is a part of Los Angeles, they had this like homeless encampment there. And it was this, you know, fantasy uh, uh, of, uh, you know, this utopian fantasy where liberal white women would go and deliver avocados to a lot of these people, some of them hopelessly addicted to fentanyl. And uh, every now and then there'd be a knife fight or an overdose, but uh, people really love the community. And it was sad when the community was destroyed. Um, but what we have to start realizing is that a lot of these homeless people, sadly, uh, seem to be unwell. They don't seem to be doing great. And having them walk around the city with knives is probably not good. Is that okay to say? Is that all right to say? Or am I going to piss someone off? Is someone mad at that? Is the stabbing good or bad? Is the homeless guy stabbing the woman in the furniture store a net positive or a net negative? I think it might be bad. And that makes me an alarmist boomer psychopath obsessed with the crime statistics. Just because I think someone might, should have the right to work at a furniture store. And you know these people, they're hearing shit all day from people like me that walk in and go, where's the fucking couch? And they're screaming and yelling. And I'm not even saying these furniture store people should be treated uh, exceptionally well. Truly. I mean, we're all fucking spending a lot of money and none of us are getting our shit. So we're angry. But you should stop short of stabbing them, right? I mean, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't separate them from their consciousness. Um, but again, we've got a real problem uh, in, in the city of Los Angeles and, and people that pointed out... Um, are themselves uh, targeted for being uh, alarmists and crazy. But, you know, RIP to this young woman. This is a fucking tragedy. I completely understand. Um, you know, now, and so then, then we have the LAPD to go, well, well, what is the LAPD doing? Well, the LAPD, God help us, this is a quote from the LAPD. Two Los Angeles cops fired for ignoring robbery to chase a Snorlax in Pokemon Go, which is rare. The Snorlax is the big fat Pokemon, and it's rare. And so this is what happened. L.A. Police Department officers Louis Lozano and Eric Mitchell were fired for ignoring a robbery in progress because they were too busy chasing a Snorlax. They appealed their termination in court but were denied. The official court opinion document is really something else. For example, 
this is what it says, for approximately the next 20 minutes, the digital in-car video system in the squad car captured petitioners discussing Pokemon as they drove to different locations where the virtual creatures apparently appeared on their mobile phone. So this is who we're hiring on the police force. This is also part of the problem. The police are playing Pokemon Go, a game that hasn't been hot for three years. Okay? Right. Wait till they discover augmented reality, like the new shit coming down the pike. I mean, can you imagine where these... Wait till they find out about Twitch. I mean, I, you'll, nothing will get done. So on their way to the Snorlax location, because Snorlax, if you haven't played Pokemon Go, these are creatures, they're Pokemon, and you gotta catch them all. Not criminals, but the Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. Sadly, Snorlax wasn't in that furniture store where that woman was getting beheaded. So Officer Mitchell alerted Officer Lozano that uh, a, 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 a Togetic, T-O-G-E-T-I-C, just popped up. Mm. Noting, I don't know what that means. Noting that it was on Crenshaw just south of 50th after Mitchell apparently caught the Snorlax, exclaiming, got him. Petitioners, again, not the criminal, the Snorlax. Petitioners agreed to go get the whatever that is and drove off. But when their car stopped again, the the camera recorded Mitchell saying, don't run away, don't run away. While Lozano described how he, quote, buried it and ultra balled the, I don't know what that word it's means. It's a Pokemon, the Togetic. Okay, Togetic is a Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So he buried it and ultra balled the Togetic before announcing, got him. Mitchell advised he was, quote, still trying to catch it, adding, holy crap, man, this thing is fighting the crap out of me. Oh, God. Eventually, Mitchell exclaimed, holy crap, finally, apparently in reference to capturing the Tajetic, he remarked, the guys are going to be so jealous. The guys, meaning the other cops are doing this as well. The guys, they're not ashamed of this activity. They're not ashamed of this behavior. This is clout for them. They're going to go back to the squad and tell everybody that they caught a Snorlax. This is the LAPD, the Los Angeles Police Department. Petitioners then agreed to return to the 7-Eleven, where Sergeant Gomez later met them to end their watch. On the way, Mitchell remarked, I got you a new Pokemon today, dude. So this is what the LAPD has been doing. They have been out trying to catch Pokemon Go while the city burns. This is proof. This is not probably a unique situation, Many of them are bragging to the other ones, look at the Pokemon I just got while people are getting stabbed to death uh, on the showroom of a furniture store. This is a problem. This is a, who are we hiring to be police, by the way? What is the psychological examination required to be a police officer? Apparently not much. Really, it's, it's pretty sickening to hear this. Petitioners also denied playing Pokemon Go while on duty. They claimed they were monitoring a, quote, Pokemon tracker application on their phone, but not playing the game. So again, they are monitoring the Pokemon tracker while on duty as police. As for catching Pokemon, Officer Lozano insisted this referred to, quote, capturing an image of the Pokemon on the tracking application to share with friends. While Officer Mitchell said in his statements about fighting, the Togetic referred to, quote, relaying that information to the groups on my app, adding that in order to take the picture, occasionally the creature will fight. 
Lozano said they were not engaged in a game. Rather, it was, quote, a social media event. Well, that's a problem, too. And it was a game. We know they're just trying to cover their ass. Mitchell said he did not consider the application a game because it was, quote, not advertised as a game. Petitioners admittedly leave. Imagine this. Imagine all the cops that have been let go over the last few years for shooting innocent people, overreacting, police brutality, corruption, things like that. Imagine these two idiots somehow getting fired for catching a Pokemon. Petitioners admitting, uh, they admitted leaving their foot beat area in search of Snorlax, but they insisted they did so both as part of an extra patrol and to chase the mythical creature. So they said this was kind of a kill two birds with one stone operation. We did a little extra patrol, and then it just so happened that we were trying to catch the uh, Snorlax. Imagine going home and telling your wife why you got why you got popped at work, why you got thrown out. It was because you were trying to catch a, a Snorlax. Now look at Snorlax. He's a big guy. So this is the Togetic, the that's evolved the, Togepi. Yeah, that's so the Togetic is rare. But Snorlax, take a look at Snorlax. He's a big, powerful mm -hmm. Pokemon. And I don't need any comments here like, oh, you're Snorlax. We don't need that in the YouTube. We don't need that. That's not productive. But that's Snorlax. I, uh, there's a bit, my friend has a big Snorlax pillow, which is kind of cool. It's like a chair. Um, but he's also mentally ill. But he has a Snorlax chair in his home. And he's an adult. Logan Paul, I think they just beat him on three and a half million dollars of fake Pokemon cards. Oh, really? Yeah. I watched Gary V on the Full Send podcast. Very interesting about NFTs. We're having dinner with Gary, which will be uh, exciting, and I'm I'm excited about that. And we'll either he's either going to poison us or we're going to leave there with, with a new business that we've started with him. We don't know, but I was watching that Full Send podcast about NFTs and about, you know, the possibilities of what NFTs will be in the future. And it was a uh, it was an interesting thing. And our friend John Shahidi is big into those NFTs, mm -hmm. big into collecting things. And I think Gary was pretty honest. He said, you know, 98% of projects in the NFT world are going to zero, meaning they'll be worth nothing. But then there's 2% of projects that'll be worth something. And then the technology behind this all, Web3, will somehow be inevitable Web 2 does feel like it's at the end, right? Go on Facebook and, and see Web 2. Web 2 is your family on Facebook sharing photos and opinions uh, about their life and ideas. And that does feel like we've had just quite about enough of Web 2. It makes more sense to trade apes back and forth than to listen to your uncle sound off on the state of uh, the affairs. So Web 2 is on its way out, and in comes Web 3. You can now own things digitally. You may be able to own an NFT of something, and if we did an NFT line, we'd want to give people more shit than just an image. We'd want to give them maybe an exclusive podcast or tickets to a show. You know, it's all about the community. Yeah, this is what I hear, and it's all about the community. That's why are you laughing? That's what it is, it's about the community. It's the community. It's about building a community. We don't have families anymore, so you got to build a community. There's no Knights of Columbus. Nobody can. Nobody goes bowling. There was a great book called Bowling Alone. So we have to build a community around apes, the photos of apes, because that's how communities are built in the digital space. 
I have a gutter cat. Look up gutter cat. This is a community. I have a gutter cat and you have a gutter cat. We should be friends. It's the creation of uh, communities. So there's a gutter. I kind of want a gutter cat. 12,000 of them. These are, these are cool. They're a little cheaper than the uh, apes, which are now trading in the three or $400,000 range. At least these communities are not based solely on hate, which is the political communities, right? I mean, it's better than that. The hype beasts are, are better than January 6th, right? If the people at January 6th, instead of running uh, into the... Uh, a Capitol building and taking selfies in the gayest and dumbest revolution ever in the history of the world, if instead of doing that, they just went to a place and showed each other their gutter cats, that would be better. That would be an improvement. It would be an improvement if a bunch of those people, if Antifa, instead of burning down buildings, uh, met somewhere and showed each other their shoes. That would be better. So maybe this is how we have to create communities because the way we're creating them right now isn't good. We're venerating genocidal ideologies that have long been discredited and we're going out into the streets to raise hell. All to no effect. We're not causing any positive change. Nobody's lives are actually better than they were two years ago. Uh, the government uh, uh, is completely unaffected by most of this. They just kind of egg it on. They're not threatened by any of it. They're egging it on. They kind of like it. They kind of like people being scared and divided. So none of this is a revolution in the sense that the government is changing any of their operating principles. So... It seems to be just a way for a lot of people to blow off steam. Well, if you're going to blow off steam and end up in jail for 10 years, federal prison, why don't you just get a fucking ape? Go get a gutter cat. Go get a lazy lion. And just show people that you own the thing that they own. I own this, you own that. I was criticized for the community of Tesla owners, which you're a part of, because many of them are insane. And many of their identity has become SpaceX and Elon Musk. You own a fucking car. But it doesn't matter because now they're in a community and they have little meetup groups where these psychopaths go and they rate the different electronic charging stations and what's better. And, well, that one usually has a line. And, well, I, oh, what restaurants have electronic charging? I want to charge my Tesla while I eat. And they have all these fucking horrible strange, weird things that they discuss because their life uh, centers around the fucking car they drive. So if we're going to do that, we're going to build these communities, digital communities, then maybe we should just build them around pictures of animals. What's wrong with that? I don't see anything inherently wrong with that. Perhaps it's a scam, but it's certainly no worse than any other scam that's been out there. I'm excited for this dinner. I want to come out of it. I, I want to be an NFT trillionaire. If it gives people more freedom, I'm in. That's why I look at crypto. People go, where do, you, where do you stand on it? Are you making fun of it or do you like it? Hey, I'm, I'm, here's where I am with it. If it increases people's freedom and it allows people, creators, consumers to do more shit and they don't have to rely on legacy institutions that are rotting and crumbling and have all been, you know, uh, perverted by all kinds of different financial incentives and ideologies. If you can detach and get away from all that and support the people that you like 
and creators and artists and people can issue these NFTs as a way to build their own um, you know, brand and build their own career outside of a hopelessly corrupt system, then good. If it's just a pump and dump scheme, well, then good too if people pump and dump at the right time. But if you're looking at it long-term, you go, I hope, just like Patreon, just like any of these things that have allowed people to have careers outside of the myth. The reason that we're hated, by the way, and Rogan's taking a lot of heat now because apparently he said a few things about this vaccine. Have you heard any of that? I haven't. Apparently he's weighed in on this uh, this uh, vaccine controversy. I have not heard anything about it, but uh, he uh, is getting a lot of flack and he's taken some positions that people don't like. But the bigger reason that they hate him, and a lot of them don't like me, and they hate people that are making a living on the internet, whether it's podcasting or doing whatever, is because most of the people in Hollywood live in fear. Everyone in this town, whether they have $100 million or no money, they live in fear. They live in fear of losing their job. They live in fear of becoming irrelevant. They live in fear of not being able to satiate the bloodthirsty mob on Twitter. That's why a lot of comedians we know spend most of their time apologizing for past indiscretions. They deliver pound of flesh to the mob, pound of flesh to the mob, the mob chews it up. Pat Oswalt does a guest spot on Dave Chappelle's show. People go, you transphobic monster. And he's got to write a soliloquy. He's got to write the beginning of a novel. I never, well, I must continue to educate myself on them. I hold forth these truths to be self-evident. I, and they live in fear. And they live in fear because their money gets turned on and off like a faucet. They turn the money on, they turn the money on. And when they turn the money on, things are good. Things are good. There's big houses and those Feliz with swimming pools. There's red carpets. There's people that care. There's uh, profiles in the New York Times. What makes you tech? How did you get so funny? Did you always know you were funny? How does that work? Like, you're like so creative. I wish I was you. How, what does your cum taste like? Does it taste as creative as you? And they write all these articles about you and you're great. You're the first woman to ever do anything. How does that feel? How does it feel to be the first woman to ever walk the earth? And all of these articles get written and people get really excited. They get really excited and they, and you know, you go into the coffee shop and people go, oh, it's, it's you that get excited. The barista gets excited. You walk in, they go, oh yeah, I didn't want to see anything, but I know who you are. And you know, I just say, oh, you know, and you get excited and you start fucking people that are way out of your league, people that are much more attractive than you want to have sex with you because you're famous. And, and, and that's the elixir. That's the drug, the fame and the fact that you matter and you matter largely because uh, an industry of people decided you should matter. They had a meeting and decided in a room that what you say should matter. Well, over the last few years, the ability of them to do that has waned. They can't do that as much. And a lot of those people that were famous and rich, they were coasting. And they were told exactly what to say and how to say it. And they didn't say anything that would ruffle feathers. And they stayed in the line of this just kind of, you know, mainstream, liberal, like, you know, after school special, kind of Hallmark movie, feel good shit. And then retired to their mansions uh, to do blow and have fun. 
Now what's happening is you have all these new people on the internet whose views and ideas are much more in line with the American public. Number one, we have views and ideas, right? We have thoughts. And those thoughts are actually more mainstream than a lot of these Hollywood actors and comedians that don't think at all and have made a career not really thinking um, about anything in a way that could upset or hurt their career. So when they go and do podcasts, they don't really do well because they're scripted and it's odd and stilted and they get on there and they basically try to just, they, they're not authentic and people can smell it and feel it and go, well, this isn't really working. Um, and, 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 and Hollywood right now and academia, they've kind of been captured. They've been captured uh, by kind of radicals, right? People that hold views that are vastly different from the majority of the American people. And when you, when most people in Hollywood don't really have these views, they just want to be rich. But then there are a few people that ha have these views and want these views telegraphed in every piece of art. So if you want to be in any of these things, you have to either hold these views or quietly abstain from ever challenging them. But that doesn't work online, right? It doesn't really work because people want authenticity. They want you to be real and say the shit that you feel and think, which is what Joe Rogan does. It's what I do. It's what people do. And you take heat for it and you take flack. But it works and we make money and we sell tickets. And the people that are part of that old system that are kind of dying are angry about it. They're not thrilled with that. This has never been a business where people really enjoy each other's success. That's not really what it is. I mean, you know, watch the award show. Somebody went, ah, polite, clown, yeah, whatever. Right? People really just want each other to fail. There's not enough seats at the table. So these people are angry and they're mad and then they're trying to grab the attention of tech and going, shut them down. Shut it off. Shut this off now. Shut it off. We want them to watch things that we make. Now we need them to know that we are the only option for entertainment. So that's why I read a million tweets a day that they're subtweet. You know, they're always going at me. You know, in rap, they would be like, it's subliminals. They call me all these names. Well, I didn't get into comedy to be Rush Limbaugh. You know, never mind that the positions I advocate are vastly different from, from most mainstream conservatives. I don't like people getting stabbed at the furniture store. I do think that's wrong. That's now made me right wing. I, I, don't, I don't realize where left wing became pro-stabbing at the furniture store. But this is, this is what you see happening. But they don't care about facts or reality. They just care that I have money and, and viewers and they don't. And that's really what it comes down to with Rogue. Rogan. Rogan has the platform, you know, so all these doctors sign this letter to Spotify, like the misinformation is, it's wrong. And what Rogan's doing is having conversations with people that have a different view of how COVID should be treated. Many of them are advocating early treatment instead of vaccines. Now you can have that debate. You can have that conversation. You shouldn't shut it down. You, you, you don't have to be an anti-vax lunatic to entertain a reasonable conversation. The vast majority, I think, of people that watch and enjoy Rogan are probably vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. A lot of people are vaccinated. But also at the third booster, when everyone's sick, it's, it's also reasonable to have a conversation about are these things working as well as you wanted them to work? Um, but so, so this is why you have the problems that you have. And they will continue. They'll continue until someone wins. Could be the internet. It could be, I don't know who's going to win. I, I'm, I, you know, I've hedged my bets. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but that's why people are angry. They're angry 
Because if they're forced to compete in our world where they themselves have to have thoughts, opinions, and ideas and make them funny and be authentic, which is something they've never done and don't know how to do, they're creations, they don't exist, they're a character they've been playing for a very long time, well, then they're going to fail miserably. So they need to be in a world where they're protected and insulated from that. You don't know what any of these people... And I, I don't want to know what actors think either. I just want to have this... Stop attacking us. I don't want to know what people... I don't, I don't want to know what Timothy Chalamet thinks about trade. Let them do whatever they're going to do. Entertain us, that's fine. But the anger seems to be sort of one way. I don't care that I'm not on bull. But every comic... And all of these people can't stand that there's now options out there. People don't have to listen to them. People don't have to buy a ticket to see them. It doesn't matter how many puff pieces they run uh, on them at the Times or wherever. People have options now, and that's what they hate. I want to apologize to Australia because I know I said that you all were um, um, uh, criminals and lazy, and that's largely true. But a 10-year-old girl already owns two companies and could retire at 15 as a multimillionaire, and she's Australian, right? Mm -hmm. So I was wrong. She's the creator of Pixie's Fidgets, a toy company originally bankrolled by the late Jeffrey Epstein. Pixie's Fidgets. Pixie's Fidgets made over 140000 in the first month, according to news.com.au. Pixie's Fidgets. Despite being still in elementary school, an Australian girl is on her way to retiring a multimillionaire. Ten-year-old Pixie Curtis set up a toy company that's already making huge profits. With the help of her mother, Roxy Jacinto, Pixie founded the... So here's what happened. This girl didn't really do it, right? Her family did it, and they said, we need to put a 10-year-old as the face of this company. Isn't that what happened? It seems that way. It seems that yeah. way. I bet uh, this girl, and I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but I don't believe she built this multimillion-dollar business herself. Right? I mean, this is probably her parents. And um, they probably said, you know what's a really great story? Mm -hmm. What's a great narrative is our Australian daughter, who, how old is she? She's 15 now, but she started it when she was 10. Right, she didn't. So 15, she's already a drunk. And she's already a drunk, and she's racist, <laughs> and she's screaming about aboriginals and land. We know what her deal is. So now she's already probably drinking, and she's like, oh, I'm fucking warm. Why are you buying it? It's hard to do the Australian access law. It's law, maybe it's law this. It's hard because when I start doing accents, like well, I'm not Australian, every now and then it just starts going into like, I, I then got did this and then I, hey, how are you doing? Like it goes somewhere else. I just can't stay with one because I'm so cultured. I go around the world. But uh, yeah, Pixie, uh, we're supposed to believe that this 10 year old started a company. None of this is true, right? What is this, a tax scam? What is this? She didn't start anything at 10. What are we talking about? Our family joke is I'll be working till I'm 100 and Pixie will have retired at 15. I certainly know who's smarter. That's what the mother said. But that's not true. How did she start a company at 10? I call, I call the bullshit. Pixie's story has gained a large following on social media, amassing more than 100,000 followers on Instagram. Despite her success, her mother doesn't want Pixie to feel that she has to work for the company. What? Isn't it her company? Isn't it Pixie's company? Or are you lying? I've said it for day one. The moment Pixie doesn't want to be front-facing or involved with Pixie's picks and Pixie's bows, then we'll, we will reassess. 
But for now, she's happy learning so much. The minute she just wants to sit in the backyard drinking, we'll let her do that. What is Pixie's Picks? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Oh, it's... It's... What do they... They they just sell toys. So how does this work? They buy the toys from China or something and then sell them? They probably have Chinese, uh, Chinese factories make them and then send them to them, yeah. And then because it was started by a 10-year-old girl... Uh, people go, oh, oh, good. It's fun. Pixie's fidgets. I bet like 10-year-olds are also making this. Oh, so it's stress balls for children. It's stress balls for children. Some of it. For can you go on, can you go on the the heart bumpy stress ball? What a dystopian nightmarish toy. It's stress balls for kids. Mm -hmm. Children who are stressed out, instead of trying to figure out a way to make them unstressed, we're giving them balls to squeeze when they're terrified. That's what Pixie's Fidgets is. Is that, is that what it means, like Pixie Fidgets? I think to keep your mind... Yes, uh, you can uh, just yeah. fidget mm -hmm. because you're... Mm -hmm. Your 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 head is filled with existential dread from from the moment you wake up to the moment you collapse in your bed in a cold sweat. So what you can do is fidget all day with these toys. Yeah, there's the section for poppets. So like you can have a pencil case and you can just hit the hit the pops. Like so this whole in. entire line of toys is being marketed to uh, children with uh, emotional problems. Is that fair to say? It would seem Fat brain toys, simple dimple. What is that? What is a fat brain toy? So these are for babies to chew on. Oh, these are for babies that can't control themselves. <clears throat> but that's what uh, Pixie's Fidgets is. It's for children that have emotional issues. And they need to squeeze things. I'm not against this, but mm -hmm. it is just a sign of the times that a lot of the uh, toys being marketed to children now are some form of like Prozac Play-Doh or whatever that they need to play with. Like, it's not just a toy. It's a way to relieve the all the stress you have at nine. Interesting. Pixie's Fidgets. We're, we're, we're doubling down on the mental illness here. Yeah. We're doubling. We're not trying to get rid of any of it. We're, we're actually going the other way, going, how much more of it can we get? And can we mark it? Because as soon as the capitalist machine gets into place, baby, everybody will be mentally ill. If you don't have a mental illness, you're, uh, you'll be a Nazi soon. <laughs> Having a clear head will mean you're a fascist. You better get a mental... And I see in comedy, all these white guys get up to like, man, I'm just fucking... I got anxiety, depression, bipolar, tripod. I'm just fucked up. And some of them are, unquestionably. But some of them aren't. Like these guys who go, I'm bisexual. And it's like, you're not. You're not. Somebody sucked your ticket at college once when you were drunk. You're not. You have a fucking girlfriend. Stop trying to save your career by saying you're bisexual. You should have to have sex. You should have to upload videos of you fucking dudes and getting fucked by dudes if you're claiming to be bisexual to get, to get a spot on uh, one of these shows. So, so, I mean, God bless Pixie and her fidgets. 
This is for like Greta Thunberg. When she gets stressed out about the ozone layer, she can uh, sit around and squeeze the stress ball and pop the pencil case. This is for her. This is for Greta. That's nice. Days after $1 million smash and grab, the great Lori Lightfoot walked out of a meeting with, quote, idiot luxury car dealer, and then a city inspector showed up with a ticket book. You followed this more than me. We love Lori Lightfoot. We support her. Uh, a Batman villain, a Dick Tracy villain, uh, one of the greatest mayors of one of our greatest cities, Chicago, um, where the murder rate, I believe, is like uh, half. It's like one out of every two people just get shot. <laughs> The murder rate is literally half. It's a pie chart where half of it is uh, dead bodies. What is going on with Lori? Uh, so this guy, Joe Perillo, at Gold Coast Exotic Motors showroom, uh, he got uh, uh, $1 million in luxury watches stolen from him on December 11th. He's a well-known car dealer in town. He went on the local national TV news programs demanding that the city and county take immediate steps to curb crime. Lori was not pleased with this. Now, how did he get the watches stolen? Uh, people just broke in. It's one of those things. They, they broke in where? The car dealership? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And what, what has he got? He's got a million dollar wa dollars worth of watches in the car dealership? I think some of the showrooms have like exotic. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah you got to sell the lifestyle. Mm. So Perillo got Lightfoot's attention. Days after the smash and grab, Lightfoot walked into Perillo's showroom where Rolls Royce, Lamborghini, and Bentley models are on display. She wasn't there to buy. Instead, she met with Prillo, and according to two sources familiar with the conversation, it did not go well. One said that the famously abrasive mayor got into a fight and walked out. I love her. I'll vote for her. I'll commit voter fraud to vote for her. I may buy a house in Chicago to vote for her. A day or two after Lightfoot walked out, Prillo's dealership received another visitor from the city, an inspector from the Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection. She brought her ticket book. What's great about Chicago is it's hopelessly corrupt and in a way that doesn't even try to disguise that. Lightfoot spokesperson said the inspector was following up on an anonymous complaint. Who made that? That the city received on December 15th about a public health violation at the dealership. It was unrelated to the mayor's meeting with Mr. Perillo. Man, to be a fly on the wall, you know, because Lori Lightfoot walked in there. And, you know, she's got that raspy voice. She was like, listen, you got a couple of fucking watches stolen. Shut your mouth. Shut your fucking mouth. You got beautiful cars outside. You got Bentleys. You got Lamborghinis. You got all this shit. And you got a couple of fucking watches. Aren't you insured? You don't have insurance for that? What the fuck are you doing? You some kind of rat? You're blaming this on the city? We got all these fucking problems. We got COVID. You know, she went at him. She went at him hard. And then she called up one of her goons mm. and had the goon go in there with a ticket uh, book and cite this guy. Four tickets for six violations during her visit shortly after 2 p.m. Yeah, only one ticket and two of the alleged violations are health-related, which means the whole thing's fake. And Lori was just like, have this. So now he's going hard at Lori. Uh, is there a poll with an approval rating for Lori Lightfoot? Let's see here. I mean, when was this? So this was June 48%. In June, 48% of Chicago voters approved. But that's all fake, too. Who knows who they're yeah, asking? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here's July. Because she kind of went down really quick. She went down quickly, which is sad. Mm-hmm. CPS, uh, what does it say? CPS Police Department dragged down Lightfoot's approval as Pritzker remains popular in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually people get sick of it. Again, it entertains me, but I'm nowhere near it. Mm. See, Gavin Newsom's fucking everything up too, but he's just not as fun. 
He's just some good-looking douchebag who, who's indifferent to uh, suffering and death. But Lightfoot is fun. So that's why I kind of get it. I get, you know, why people are uh, fun. I like what she does. Goes down there and gives the, the guy at the car dealership the what for. And then has him ticketed. Massive California train look looting prompts intense criticism of Democrats Gavin Newsom. So what's happening with these trains in California is people are looting them and trying to grab stuff from Amazon, right? They're trying to grab a Nintendo Switch, mm -hmm. which Ray Kump got for me uh, for Christmas, which is very nice. And um, thieves in LA are looting freight trains. Like this is what you're, when you have fat friends, they just give you things to keep you fat. He's like, here's a Nintendo Switch. Never move. Now you don't have to leave the chair. Is the remote too, too stressful? Thieves in L.A. are looting freight trains filled with packages from UPS, FedEx, and Amazon. And look at this. I mean, you see the picture. Mm. You, can, you can play that. It, it, it's really crazy. But there's no real, uh, is there any, like, is there any plan to get this state back in uh, shape here? Doesn't seem like it. Mm -mm. Photos and videos showing piles of empty boxes littered alongside rail tracks in L.A. County have gone viral as shipping companies say they've seen a dramatic spike in railroad theft. Old school theft. Mm. People are going to start stealing horses next. Union Pacific, one of the largest railroad companies, said it may avoid operating in L.A. County following the spike in thefts, which it blames on tax prosecution, on lax prosecution of crimes. The containers and trains are locked but can be broken into. Yeah, well, they have the bail reform now. And they're not even letting Sirhan Sirhan out. This is why I have a problem. If you're going to let everybody out, let Sirhan Sirhan out so that he can tell us all about the MK Ultra program and he can tell us all about uh, uh, whether it was Sidney Godley or I forget. It was this uh, Dr. Something West. Rogan talks about it. Uh, uh, Dr. Jolly West, the CIA doctor, was running all the MK programs. I want Sirhan Sirhan to tell us why exactly he shot Bobby Kennedy because he probably doesn't even fucking know. So now, Gavin Newsom, did he write an op-ed? Why I will not release Sirhan Sirhan on oh, parole. he did, yeah. So January 13th, Gavin Newsom, someone wrote this for Gavin Newsom, probably the CIA, and emailed it to him, and then he uh, emailed it to the LA Times. So this is Gavin Newsom, by the way, who cannot write and probably barely reads. In 1968, Sirhan Sirhan assassinated uh, Robert F. Kennedy just moments after Kennedy won the California presidential primary. Sirhan also shot and injured five bystanders. Decades later, Sirhan refuses to accept responsibility for the crime. He didn't know he was doing it. You see, his mind was hacked. Yeah, he doesn't accept responsibility. He doesn't know what the fuck happened. He came to standing in the ambassador hotel over a body. Can we find out why he was hanging out with Jolly West, CIA doctor? What can we can we get in there, please? But January sixth, yeah, we get it. Okay, bad. But can we also get in this? Yeah, of course. He doesn't accept response. Kennedy's assassination not only changed the course of this nation and robbed the world of a promising young leader, it also left his eleven children without a too many children, by the way. Mm. Keep in your pants. Without a father and his wife, without a husband, Kennedy's family bears his loss every day. Millions of Americans lost. Do you think any of them are curious? Do you think any of the 11 kids are curious about what happened? I bet they're curious. Let's interview them. How about the 11 kids? You don't think they've stumbled upon the internet? You don't think they've uh, read a blurb or two that makes them slightly, that everyone in their family ends up dead? Huh, everyone in our family ends up dead. Puh, what a string of luck. So Gavin Newsom is denying Sirhan Sirhan uh, parole. And we want to know, 
Yeah, the board decided he was good for parole, and then the board goes, "Let him go, mm. let him go." Sirhan recorded his plans to kill Kennedy, writing, "RFK must die. RFK must be killed. RF Kennedy must be assassinated." Again, that's yeah, sure. That can't be doctored. Nobody could wrote that for him. Google Sirhan Sirhan Charlie West. Oh, go back, go back for a minute. Mm. Go back for a minute. Incredibly, in the '90s, Sirhan began dodging responsibility. He claimed he could not remember the crime. Hmm. Stated he was innocent. In 2016, Sirhan said he believed he did not kill Kennedy based on what he has read. Blah, 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 blah. Sirhan portrayed himself as a victim, claiming he was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Um, he's 77 years old, mm-hmm. so he's a threat. Mm-hmm. Not the people stabbing the woman in the carpet mm-hmm. uh, place. It, he's a threat. He's, he's almost 80, and they think he's going to go out and go on a uh, shooting spree. I'd like to know why he doesn't remember the crime. I'd li- I'm a little curious. Now, Google Sirhan Sirhan Jolly West. Okay. I'm, I'm wondering about this, and I'm, I'm unsure, and somebody will correct me in the comments or whatever, but this period of history I'm, I'm relatively familiar with. I just don't want to say anything where people are like, you're wrong about that. Um, but a lot of people believe there was a lot of fuckery in the, with, with that period of history where you were having like the CIA in league with cults, giving people acid, trying mind control experiments on them. And were they able to fuck a few of these people in terms of like, were they able to program these people to commit certain acts? Why not? Um, so here. So he remained interested in the subject of mind control throughout his career. As an expert witness, he examined a number of high-profile crime cases that were politically motivated or involved cults. After examining Lee Harvey Oswald's assassin, Jack Ruby, alone in his jail cell, West, Jolly West, concluded in 1964 he was suffering from a major mental illness, thereby narrowing down Ruby's possible motives. Other people he examined were Sirhan Sirhan, mm-hmm. Patricia Hearst, and Timothy McVeigh. Mm-hmm. Fun. Fun stuff, huh? Very odd. When they when they find when aliens sift through uh the decay of the civilization mm-hmm. uh and they piece all this together, man. Are we you know, and here's the thing, we'll all be dead and nobody'll really know, and maybe even the aliens won't even do it because it'll all probably be lost. But like if you ever got a full accounting of why things happen in this country and how they happen. I mean, you think TV shows are good? Like, you think House of Cards, people were like, I remember when I spoke to people that watched House of Cards and they were like, yeah, it's a little dramatic and uh, it's a little unbelievable. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's unbelievable in the sense that, like, it it makes things uh, far too positive. It seemed, how many people did they kill? Four? Like, you have no idea. Um, Yeah, it is unbelievable in the sense that, like, it's actually much worse. Um, this is true, but we'll never get near any of this, right? I mean, nobody's ever going to come out and talk about any of this, honestly. And it's very strange. Uh, they're just going to deny parole. This is a state who's letting everybody out. They're letting violent criminals out that are young and violent and almost certain to commit crime. Again, violent crime. This is a 77-year-old who they let Hinkley out and Hinckley was a weird situation, too. His brother, Neil, uh, Neil Bush, was scheduled to have dinner with the Hinckley family or was having dinner with them on the night that uh, or the day that John Hinckley decided to kill uh, or attempt to kill President Reagan because he was in love with Jody Foster. What? Strange. 
That's like me trying to kill Gavin Newsom because I'm in love with Melissa Etheridge. It doesn't make any sense. It's odd. But Hinckley's out, and he's doing music now. But they won't let, they won't let Sirhan Sirhan out. Odd. What do you think of the studio? Are you happy? It's a beautiful studio. It's, it's we're in beautiful. the desert. We might do every year a different climate, a different uh, terrain. Maybe next year biome. we do a polar, polar vortex, and then the next year maybe we do temperate deciduous. Maybe the other. Maybe then we'll do rainforest. I would like rainforest. Uh, you know, we got to keep it interesting and keep it fun. That's. That's the thing here. We were, some people may be disappointed by the lack of neon sign, but when we have guests, the neon sign will be yeah, right behind the guests. Steve will do it from uh, Nelk, the Nelk uh, boys, a, a comedy a sketch collective uh, moguls. Uh, they've released the Happy Dad Hard Seltzer. They're in the UFC area space a lot. They have a big podcast, the Full Send podcast. Steve will do it as their breakout star, who is a fun uh, guy, will be our first official guest on Monday or Wednesday, but it'll come out next Monday. He's a big proponent of our podcast, a big fan. Of, and, you know, I'm a little surprised by that, truly, in a, in a, in a good way. I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised that he enjoys this show so much because it's it's not a watch. Because watches are fun. They don't talk, and they just glisten. And they don't really talk about the news, and you can stare at them and touch them. But he actually enjoys this show. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of it he understands. He may just like the pitch of my voice. He may just like the way I look. And the way I kind of bop around on this, I don't know what he enjoys about it or not, but he seems to really like it. He likes Takashi too. I wonder if they watch together, maybe. I don't know. Let's not get greedy. But we're excited to have this uh, guy on. He's very funny. Mm. He's uh, insanely hardworking. He's a good person. He's always given uh, 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 people money and, uh, and crypto and Venmo. And he is. He helps others. He sees people on the street and gives them a Bitcoin or gives them advice on how to gamble. I think that's good. And he drinks and, and smokes and he's a real fun guy. So, no, I, I believe the Nelk kids, because what they do is if their people are homeless, they teach them about uh, bit, uh, crypto gambling. And I think that's smart and, and helpful. So he's coming in hopefully on Wednesday. And uh, I'm going to do Tana Mojo's podcast oh, interesting. on Tuesday. Tana Mojo is an uh, influencer who's a fan of mine, and we appreciate that. Now, the reason I like her and I've always liked her is because she was, she was born in Las Vegas. Now, I imagine that people who are born in Las Vegas just die immediately. But this woman has thrived. She's figured out a way to thrive as an influencer and uh, OnlyFans, killing it on the OnlyFans. Um, and she's funny. When you listen to her talk, she's kind of funny. She did a thing about a stalker that was uh, climbing in her window and trying to kill her, and, but it was fun. And uh, I'm going on her show, because, and I, I don't do any of the influencer podcast. I mean, they don't ask me. Um, you know, but... Like that hype house show, and I, I talked a bit uh, a bit about it on the Patreon. 
mind-numbingly boring. It's just dull. These kids are, they're, I mean, I'm sure they're nice people. But here's the thing. The, the real show is fun. Like, they're creating this thing that isn't real. We want the behind the scenes. Show us the Adderall. Show us the drugs. Show us the fights with the parents. Show us everybody shit talking to Demilio's because they've got the real money. Show us the real shit. But they don't do that. It's a very sanitized, safe, uh, brand-friendly Netflix event. We want, I want kids on a, on a phone with their parents go, you're a fucking failure. You understand that? Fuck you. You know what's happening, Dad? I'm getting my cock sucked right now by three underage whores. <laughs> Fuck you. What happened? You leave the factory early today? You fucking near-do-well piece of shit. I'll send you 10 grand. Don't ever fucking call me again. Like, that's what I want. I want people just to be like, show us the monsters. Like, literally the whole show is just like, these kids have Lamborghinis and mansions, and they're like, sometimes I feel that I'm not as good of friends with everyone as I used to be. Who gives a fuck? Kill them. You're in L.A. Light their house on fire. The reason you're not as good as friends with them is because you're breaking through. You're going to be big. Fuck up. What kind of shit is this? What, do you live in Minnesota? You're in L.A. Take your Bentley and drive it through the fucking house. Stop this shit. Stop talking about how much you love your parents. What the fuck? If we want to watch a show about 17-year-old millionaires, I don't want to see how close they are with their goddamn family. You're supposed to be a fucking demon from hell. A, like a tremor that crawled through the desert with a, a fang-laden mouth just trying to fucking get brand deals and bleed everybody dry. Nobody cares about your fucking anxiety. For Christ, be cool. Is it too much to ask? Stop talking about getting canceled and afraid how scared you are about online mobs. Say, fuck it, I don't give a shit. You can't cancel this, bitch. Like, dude, if I was if I was directing that show, I'd be like, stand in front of that Lamborghini and say, you can't cancel this, bitch. And then put a put a middle finger up and say, fuck yeah. I got health care. But it's boring. It's be, why? Because it's not real. Why is Hollywood failing? It's not real. We know it's not real. We know you're not nice. You're 17 with a Porsche. You're not nice. There's a scene where one kid goes, should we take the G-Wagon or the Rolls? You're not nice. And if you are nice, what a waste. But you're not. We get it. We know you're not nice. We know you're not thinking of other people's feelings. We know that. We know that. And none of them really, have, some of them have skills, right? Like the Alex Warren kid's funny and he has some skills, but like, and the, one, the uh, little Huddy, the one who thinks he's a vampire, I guess he does some music, you know, but he's, he's a, a vampire. He's like a, a vampire or something. He, he lives in this. And by the way, you really notice the real estate in this town is disgusting. These houses in Moore Park and Encino, these just disgusting caves where, where, where 70s era sitcom stars OD'd in bathtubs. It's really grotesque. Um, and, 
What is this? It's it's their house, yeah. But that's not their house. Hold it's, on. Is this the new house? Right here. This is it right Yeah, there. that's it. Listen. Yeah. It. Is that nice? Is that nice? Now I'm asking. Is this nice? Can you go to little Huddy's house? Mm-hmm. That like, thing's terrifying looking. The, it's a casita, right? It's like a casita. I don't know what the hell it is. It's an Applebee's. I think they called it Huddy's Hacienda, right? Huddy's Hacienda. Show that. Look at that. That's a theme restaurant at Disney World. You would put tables and chairs outside of that and serve fat tourist churros. This state is a black hole when it comes to culture. I'm from the Hamptons. Fuck off. I mean, look at that. It's, a, it's a, you know, one of the kids in the show goes, it's like the surfer kid with the, mm. he has like, his, his name's Jack Wright. He's like terrifying. So all he does is this all day. He goes, he just smiles, like, but he's very uncomfortable. You know, some people smiles like very uncomfortable. Sure. His smile is very uncomfortable. It's like, it's very, it's scary. And uh, he, he goes like this. He goes, yeah, it's kind of like the Cheesecake Factory. I love the Cheesecake Factory. I love it. But my problem is they're all trying to be nice. The last thing you want to do when we're watching child millionaires, the last thing we want them to do is be nice. Show the real shit. We want to see vicious attacks. We want to see families being destroyed. We want to see, because otherwise it's not worth it. It's not fun. Sorry. I'd rather watch Lightfoot. I'd rather watch Lightfoot shake down a Lambo dealer in Chicago than watch these fucking kids live in a, you know, in a big uh, Applebee's and they're with a fucking lazy river and, and fucking dolphin shooting water and then have to go to bed every night going, oh yeah, and they're also really sweet. What? We know they're not. We know they're not. What Netflix probably has on the cutting room floor should be the real show. That should be the real show. The problem with these kids is there's like 19 handlers around them at all times telling them what they can and cannot say, mm-hmm. right? Many of them love Trump. That's what's great. Many of them are QAnon. Like, we want that. We want 17-year-old. Like, Addison Ray was kind of a big Trumper and because she's from Louisiana, and she's got, you know, she's, 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 she's you know, this bitch likes a little bit of Trump, but nobody can be honest because she's such a brand now. But we want it. We want to see Addison Ray in a MAGA hat. That's what we want. She doesn't support Trump. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, listen, now you don't. You right. got money. Of course. Of course. You got a Netflix gives you a deal. I don't support him now, but you did. But that's the thing. Most of these kids are like right-wing uh, uh, fanatics. Why wouldn't they be? Yeah. They've got $12 trillion. They were raised on like inspirational quotes. and fu- You know, like why wouldn't they be? So that's a lot more fun to see. Yo, like Hillary eats babies, bruh. She eats fucking babies. But it's a boring show. I wish everyone the best. I don't think they're going to get a season two. Like that D'Amelio show. I mean, it's all boring. It's mind-numbingly boring. We want chaos, carnage, and death. And if you can't give us that, step aside. Like Cheers coming back. Uh, one of the people in Cheers is a big uh, pedophile. He's a dark web pedo. Yeah, yeah. Now, do they address that? Because that's fun. Not that he did it, but the addressing of it. Let's see. They have to, right? I mean. I hope they do. It should be every episode. 
the thing about cheer is these kids are from uh, some who cares part of Texas, and they're cheerleaders, and they have like they have like two years, and they jump around on a mat, and then they go work at Sonic. But for those two years, they have really good lives, and everybody respects them, and all the young girls in Texas are like, I want to be like you, you know? And then eventually after the cheering, the mess starts, you know, they start, you know, their boyfriend starts getting, you know, throwing them into walls, and things get real dark real quick. You know, they start doing Kill Tony. But how Cheer Season 2 cha- tackles Jerry Harris's sexual abuse charges. The season's fifth episode offers a timeline of the 21-year-old Navarro College cheer team's members' alleged sexual misconduct with two young teens, uh, eventually leading to his arrest. Now, this is Monica, uh, what's her name? Whitney's friends with her. She's a legend in cheerleading, and she's an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I know like her son, I think, on Instagram. And she's an attractive woman, and she's a beast of a cheerleading coach. Like, everybody likes her. but And it's not her fault, mm. but one of her star uh, cheerleaders was, like, uh, jizzling in it all over. In January 2020, nearly two years before Harris was accused of child sexual exploitation and abuse in a lawsuit, um, he was prominently centered in the docuseries, first set of six episodes. So he was the one of the main characters. So now, how do they handle this? Can we... Uh, it, this contains spoilers of season two of Cheer. Um, but the season's fifth uh, and middle episode dedicates itself explicitly to these allegations, his arrest, and the... So we're watching that one. Season two of Cheer, fifth episode. We're, I'm in. His arrest and the eight counts of sex crimes involving minors. Eight! He's pled not guilty. Um, so what they do is they do a Cheer where they support having sex with people your own age. So they go, like, they do the thing on the head. They go, they go, no, no. They go, little, little, no, no. Head, head, no, no. Little, little, head, head, no, no. If you're that tall, tall, then breast, breast, tall, tall. Ah, ah. I hope that's how they do it. Aldama recounted how she learned of Harris's sexual abuse allegations and the initial federal charge of producing child pornography during September 2020. Harris was federally charged with an additional seven counts in December 2020. I was on stage at Dancing with the Stars in dress rehearsal for our very first live show. The executive producer came up to me and showed me her phone and asked me if I'd seen the headline in the news that day, she recalled. It was like an an out-of-body experience at the time. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I did the show, and then I went back to my trailer. I didn't even want to look at my phone because I was scared. I couldn't do anything about it, and I just didn't want to read it, she added, before revealing that the team had a meeting that night about the news, which she described as being a tear-filled funeral. Towards the end of the episode, the Navarro cheer coach reveals Harris sent her a letter, which she describes as optimistic and features his desire to become a motivational speaker. Wait, what? Towards the end of the episode, hold on. Towards the end of the episode, the Navarro cheer coach reveals that Harris sent her a letter, which she describes as optimistic and features his desire to become a motivational speaker. So I think that was the end of season one. This was what they're saying. I don't think so. Towards the end of the episode. We're talking about the episode. I believe it's, like, I think he's, wouldn't it be great? I used to fuck kids, but now... I realized that I had to invest in myself. You can do anything you want to do. 
I remember when I was trapped in a prison of negativity. I was fucking kids. But then I realized that I could hustle and grind and figure it out. Wow. It's sad. It's sad for him that he's got this disease. It's sad for the kids. It's sad for the Aldama shit, you know. But here's what's not sad for. The viewers. We don't want, I mean, I, I hate, you know. It's bad. It's not good. I don't even want to go into this because it's like. You know, it's like stomach churning stuff. He's, yeah. he's victimizing children, but yeah, yeah. pleading not guilty. But I mean, I'm going to watch that episode because it's the only episode I'm interested in because I don't really care about cheerleading or these people's lives. But seeing them all react to this is kind of interesting, right? Mm. I'm not saying I'm happy it happened. I'm clearly not. But as a viewer, to watch them react to this to me is interesting. How does a cheer team handle it? How does a Texas cheer team handle it here's the real reality he's a pedophile did he take vitamins did he take NAD did he do NAD drip did he do high dose vitamin C high dose vitamin D vitamin D cures pedophilia <laughs> vitamin D cures pedophilia if you take vitamin D zinc quercetin, and an ivermectin you start fucking adults. Goodbye.